Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Straight Talk for the Soul series, your vibrational, multidimensional vitamin for the body, mind, and spirit. I'm Carrie Murphy, your host, your creator and founder of this global broadcast and brilliant community of light. I am excited. I'm delighted to be here with all of you today. Uh, I want to extend a, a bright and beautiful good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of you tuning in from around the world to help me welcome internationally known animal communicator, medical intuitive and healer, Linda Johns is here. We're going to talk about animal communication, uh, bridging the language of all life. So I want to welcome home all of you luminous light leaders, consciousness conductors, starlight messengers to this next phase of your, your spiritual awakening, a remembrance of your cosmic, cosmic multidimensional heritage, an alliance and emerging with your sacred origin. And this is just a grace-filled, fluid journey of expansion that we're all on together. So welcome to this new moment together, this new, uh, this new day, this new uh, powerful choice point in your ascension journey, you know, we always have the opportunity to create and allow for a greater, more expansive experience of the divine, a more integrated, embodied experience of the divine and, and communication with our higher selves, our teams of light, and today the focus on um, communicating with our animals uh, as well as your pet companions. So know that this is a very safe haven for you, a sacred space and a soulful sanctuary for connection for upliftment, for support. Uh, this is a unity community designed to empower you and liberate you as you come into full communion with your divine essence and really let yourself open up and experience um, powerful energetic upgrades that will ignite new realities for you. I am dedicated and devoted to walking hand in hand and heart to heart with you as we expand our consciousness and really see ourselves clearly uh, and really tap into our potential. And I'm excited to delve into this. I know so many of you love um, your animals and uh, the whales, the dolphins. You know, we're going to talk about how to communicate with them as well as um, other beings who, you know, the kids with autism, people who are in comas, um, people who are transitioning into the next dimension, all the things that we're talking about today can really benefit uh, that, those connections. So just sit back and relax, uh, breathe, open and receive. We're very thankful that you found your way here today. Uh, and know that you can listen to all of our replays on straighttalkforthesoul.com, but you can also listen on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Audible, and Stitcher. Uh, and you're welcome to join us in our Facebook group um, or on Instagram. And now I want to ask my favorite question. And, of course, that is, what is the best that could happen today with Linda, myself, with all of you? Please set a clear, empowered intention for what you wish to gain here today, what you wish to feel or experience. Uh, my intention is to be a clear and pure conduit, an instrument of the divine, and selfless service to allow for miracles to unfold, for healing, for connection to, to happen, and for soulfully soothing energy to flow through my voice and this sacred energetic space with grace and ease, welcoming and inviting in the highest divine support and participation throughout our time together. If you joined us by computer, you're welcome to write in. Let us know how you're doing throughout the show. If you have questions, you can put them in there as well. 
And now let me tell you about Linda, and we'll dive in. Uh, Linda Johns is an internationally known animal communicator, a medical intuitive, and a healer. She has worked in the field of alternative healing for over 29 years. She is the founder of Journey to Healing, where she makes her healing skills available for both people and animals. With her natural psychic and intuitive abilities, her clairvoyant insights and compassion, she offers individual healing sessions as well as classes and workshops in the healing arts, personal growth, and developing our spiritual gifts. She has many years of training, study, and experience in both the healing arts and spiritual studies. She's committed to offering support and guidance to others on their journey of growth in a fun, gentle, and inspiring manner, using her gifts to help create balance and healing. One person, one thought, and one animal at a time. And today we're going to talk about the energies of our planet rising. And so our 5D natural clair abilities are awakening and amplifying. And studies have shown that 95% of our communication is nonverbal. And this takes place through body language and feelings and thoughts and projections and reflections of what we're experiencing or expecting to happen, often based on past experiences. So the real focus of animal communication starts with being present, aware, and learning how to listen. So Linda will share some techniques to achieve this heightened consciousness and then illustrate the many pathways that our animal friends use to communicate with us. Now, these skills learned through animal communication can also be applied to many different situations um, in addition to our pets, um, like the wild animals, the dolphins, the whales, as well as nature, young children without a vocabulary, as I mentioned earlier, those with autism, um, also dementia or Alzheimer's or people in comas, uh, or again, for those end-of-life communications. So we're going to explore all of this today. Uh, so let's get started. Please join me in extending waves and waves of love, light, and joy to Linda as I welcome her to the show. So hi, Linda. Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here, and I want to just thank your listeners for allowing me into their sacred space and their time today, and thank you for Mm -hmm. creating a platform that allows us all to continue to learn and grow and play together, so wonderful. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, this is such an important topic, you know, bridging that the language of all life, you know, by learning some of these skills that, like you say, Linda, we all have them. Um, when I mentioned earlier in the intro about how, you know, moving into 5D, that a lot of our, our clairs um, are, are really um, awakening. Um, have you noticed that more and more? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I personally feel that um, I've been watching the ascension of Mother Earth raising her vibration, and because we're all connected to it and we're connected through the heartbeat of Mother Earth through our belly buttons, that the um, frequency as she raises her vibration, we're actually automatically being um, encouraged and sometimes forced into raising our vibration and awareness. Sometimes that's why the journey feels like it maybe a little um, difficult at times because the mind likes to hold on to, you know, safety and sameness of how it's understood it, and it's not mm-hmm. always willing to reach for more or to create change. And so what I do find is that 
as um, the frequencies around us and, and the energies being downloaded to the planet that's just encouraging us to come back into alignment with our true design, Mm-hmm. I believe that our design, you know, our divine design is that we were created perfect and whole and in the image of the creator, God, or whatever name fits that in that for you. But there is nothing lacking and we have been conditioned and uh, a belief system that we can't or someone can and we can't or we have limitations mm-hmm. or comparisons or um, we don't, we haven't yet given ourselves permission to claim the true brightness that we are and the multidimensional beings that we are. And that's actually what's coming alive right now. I I personally also feel that since the uh, COVID situation with 2020, I believe that that was Mother Earth kind of shaking the situation and creating a a stopping point to the mindlessness and the craziness and just that Mm -hmm. fast forward that we were in enough long enough to actually uh, stop reset and actually align with something deeper within ourselves and whether that be Mm -hmm. priorities whether that be heart's desires whether that be the permission for our deeper innate wisdom to just have permission to have a say in the creation of our life that's actually what has been um, moving forward since that yeah. um, stopping point. I agree with you. I think a lot of people who were home, you know, really went inward more so than ever and really began to cultivate those um, those those inner gifts and capacities and you know like you said all the clairs that are are supposed to come online you know our clairvoyance clairaudience clairsentience clairknowing um which ties into this ability to communicate with all life and um Let's go back a little bit in your journey, Linda. I said you've been on this journey with healing for 29 years. That's a long time. Um, share a little bit about what what led you into this and sort of the evolution of your of your work over all, all these years. Yes, thank you. My interest um, in the early 90s was in nutrition and um, herbal. Uh, support, remedies, things such as that. I actually um, started to, uh, at that particular time, I was a a manager in a a local health food store. And so being exposed to the concepts of herbs and supplements and alternative healing and breath and all the importance of the balance of body, mind, spirit, it actually Mm -hmm. helped me to continue to explore. And as I explored... I went into like breath work and explored different avenues in trying to uh, align my own self with um, a deeper or um, let's just say uh, healthier, (laughs) healthier point of being because sometimes um, we get derailed from our our true uh, soul calling and so we're trying to find ourselves. It's kind of like that feeling of sometimes being that fish out of water where you're just um, kind of trying to find that place that you can call home. And Mm -hmm. in that journey and in that quest, I explored lots of avenues, lots of healing modalities, um, worked with a wonderful 
medicine teachers, and I had a, a wonderful uh, mystical teacher. Her name was Mary Ellen, and she she was very pivotal in my life because what she could do is actually hold, she could see parts of myself that I couldn't see for myself. She could see mm-hmm. my abilities and my gifts that at that time I couldn't for my own self. So she would hold a reflection for me to step into those essences. And I so very much appreciate that, that I also find that I do the same now for people. It's like, see, because we can all see each other's greatness and holding that space and opening the field of possibility, uh, holding the reflection so that it gives them permission to to uh, see that and witness that within them own self is a true healing. And so yeah. modalities are, are um, a matter. Sometimes the modalities are um, entertainment for the mind <laughs> and, <laughs> and actually the energy and the frequency and the awareness and the truth within our own being brings us back into our healing point. So I, I love mm-hmm. to hold that space for everyone just to, to be able to remember uh, within them that greater and wiser part of self that is so asking and desiring to be part of the equation. We have mm-hmm. unfortunately been conditioned to be more left-side thinking as a culture. And the left side, of course, is when the brain, when we put more emphasis on facts and figures and logic and reasoning and we have disconnected from the right side of the brain which is that expansive um, inclusive just um, the dream state the creative state the, mm-hmm. the there's the larger that connection to the larger whole and so one of the things with animal communication I also really try to encourage at first is to recognize that we don't want to Stop the left side thinking because that's actually you know, important as well, and we want to actually encourage the mind to be in that little bit more of the expanded place. So we really want to train ourselves to work in what's called the whole brain state, which is that space in the middle where at any moment you can get an intuitive insight and you can also logically put it into action or or you know be able to. Uh, hold it from both states. So that's the importance of learning how to come back into a whole brain. Every baby is born in a whole brain state. They're they're in that space where they can um, be expansive into the childlike wonder of their new life and exploring and learning, and yet they can make their needs met and known uh, what they are as well. So we we actually often um, get conditioned through um, the school, through training, through putting a value on um, ourselves from outside of ourselves, um, what we do, how much we can juggle. Multitasking is one of the greatest obstacles for intuitive development because mm-hmm. it keeps you from being present, keeps you from being still, keeps you from being able to just be in the moment. So that's also one of the things that uh, comes into giving yourself permission to just be present when we're developing and looking at what abilities we're already using or where we're where we're wanting to embrace more from. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a, a cultivated um, skill, you know, being present, you know, listening, <laughs> um, not multitasking, and uh, and yet it's kind of the the key to real connection, not only with ourselves, but as we're talking about today with these precious animals of ours. And, um, you know, I do fully believe that our animals, our pets, and all all animals, they, they're here to teach us and, and open us up and open our hearts. And uh, I would love for you to share a little bit more about that, about us really allowing our animals to be our teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that as well. In fact, there's one of the classes that I teach the, um, through the course of the year is the animal as the healer and mm-hmm. letting them give us insight and wisdom and to help uh, redirect us back into our alignment point. But sometimes actually also animals come into our lives because they're working through soul agreements that one, we may be able to help them with. One, we may be working on the same agreement or we may have already done our work on that agreement and know how to move through it into a completion or be able to hold it in a much more um, uh, healthy form. And so when we are uh, bringing animals into our lives, it's it can be multiple facets of them choosing us or, or we... Um, working of service and a soul level to support their journey as well. And what, when that happens, when, when we have actually, say like if we had a situation where we're fearful and you find a, um, a rescue animal that has a lot of fear, well, you already know some tools and techniques of how you helped yourself through your fear or your, you know, um, fear of, public speaking or being seen or whatever it may be. And so you can actually then do what is called psychospirituality where you actually help your animal by sharing some of those tools that you know how to already use and apply. So whether that be that you just teach the animal how to breathe, this is really a wonderful place to start, especially if animals are into fear or flight or fight cycles. Uh, fight, flight, or freeze, what normally happens when there is a trigger or a reaction, a cellular memory that creates a, a chemical mm-hmm. reaction to the brain and then that creates the the um, the reaction or the experience, the diaphragm uh, tightens and the breath all goes upward to move into that fight or flight. And so then that the sends a signal to the brain that there's a sense of danger. And when that's happening, the, the animal's breathing very shallow or just in the mm-hmm. upper, upper breath. And so if you have an animal that's afraid and you have actually worked yourself through some of that, you could actually start mirroring deep breath. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and just actually exaggerate the breath so that they can hear it. And often within um, a few moments, a few breaths on an average, you will notice that the animal will take a deep breath or there may be a Mm -hmm. sigh. And when they take that deep breath or sigh, it actually sends a signal to the brain that the danger has passed and that they can relax now. 
And so using your own spiritual tools that you have applied for yourself is a wonderful way of helping our animals. And um, mm-hmm. and, there, and that's just one example. Now, I did have one horse one time that uh, she, she had so much um, pent-up anger and she was very... Um, vicious to other animals and and very dangerous as far as like potentially hurting them to to very uh, serious injuries and so I decided one day I was watching her and she's just all upset and and I just told her I said Juby you need to breathe and um, <laughs> then I thought wow yeah I'm a I'm a breath coach <laughs> uh, so I stood next to her. And I put my mm-hmm. belly next to hers, and she wasn't tight or anything. She could walk away if she chose to. And I just started doing deep breathing. And mm-hmm. uh, she was she was very resistant to change because she had this need to be in control. And so mm-hmm. I must have breathed for her about 45 minutes. I went through <laughs> I went through my own breathing process, and uh, we breathed together for like 45 minutes. And she and she started mirroring the deep breath, and then she started swishing her tail and stomping her feet and just releasing all of this pent-up tension that she had. And mm-hmm. I was also witnessing um, cellular memories and events that were coming up that she was moving through. And as we stood there and breathed that, that session, 45 minutes, 60 minutes together, uh, after that one session, she was no longer angry at any at everyone she saw <laughs> so <laughs> she was much much more calm and mm-hmm. so those are just healing tools that are that are available that we can just pull from our own knowledge our own awareness and then pull that forward and help the animal now one thing i do want to just share with this with them um, especially when we get rescue animals what mm-hmm. i find is that um, we attach a story to rescuing an animal, and we keep that story and that label attached to them often their whole life. And what I have found is that the the reason, the need for the label of like it was a rescue animal, and I got it from you know mm-hmm. the animal control center or wherever, um, is because it often gives us a sense of value, uh, a sense of purpose, a sense of identity by being the rescuer. But what I find is actually that when we lock an animal into rescue, past trauma, a reason why they um, can be afraid or Mm -hmm. fearful, we don't actually ever let their soul have permission to grow. And we keep them locked into it because it serves us to have the identity of the rescuer. So mm-hmm. I encourage everyone when they bring in a rescue animal to, you know, to just embrace that fact and just move it into, you know, the the love and the growth um, of sharing, you know, the rest of their life or time together. But the sooner we can let go of their past, the the sooner they have permission to create something new. I love everything that you're sharing about that. I agree. I agree. Um, 
my animals are rescue animals, but mm-hmm. I have felt that strongly, like not even to use that word anymore. Okay. It's just, um, and they're just, they, they thrive. You know, I think when that, it, that story is told again and again or whatever, it, it does limit them and, and you're exactly right. So I'm grateful that you brought that up. Um, and, you know, I do have such honor and respect for everyone who, um, does, um, take in animals of any kind, you know, whether, wherever they came from. Um, so I'm not diminishing, um, that whatsoever, but, um, no, absolutely. And it's, it's very, very important, um, service that we offer it's just that when we lock them into a mm-hmm. vibration it's only like it's also like ourselves. if we lock ourselves into yes. a past trauma and we keep rethinking it and replaying it all the time it's mm-hmm. kind of like that analogy where they talk about you know pulling the scab off the wound it's like it never has exactly. a chance to completely heal and be complete and done and so that's the that's the part with it is we give them permission to yes that was your past and this is the now moment and we mm-hmm. get to create something completely different that is just full of love and joy and happiness um, liberation and then, for everyone I mean yes, you know I think most of us who um, have rescue animals you know we've also gone through abuse or something of some kind or sort that is similar and it is such a liberating opportunity for the animals and us to to move beyond and um, to be liberated and free from um, all of that and uh, yeah I loved what you shared about the breath with them because um I find that I do that with them a lot, especially with storms. And um, one of mine um, gets a little nervous when it's storming. And I find if I do that with him, just as you said, breathing, they really do calm down. Yes. And uh, um, what what would you say? I know uh, a lot of people have animals who get nervous with different um, weather conditions, um, especially storms. Uh, any advice? Well, um, first of all, I would encourage communicating with them. And yes. one of the things with the communication is that we can have a direct communication and we can have indirect communication. So direct communication is where we're making some sort of energetic hookup where, you know, like if we're setting with them, our energy field is is merged with theirs. We're actually hooked up through that morphogenic field Um, we can actually set the intention to bridge like a beam of light from your mind to their mind or a beam of light from your heart to their heart Um, there's there's a connection that takes place that allows the pathways or the energy to start flowing and and then there's the indirect which is wonderful when you have a, a animal that you're just not um quite sure uh, how to help. So the indirect communication is when we are sitting in meditation and we open up the the divine matrix or the universal field or the quantum field, all those multiple names, and mm-hmm. we're just asking for guidance and the best uh, support for this situation. And we just let that intuitively or just from a higher level come through. The same with um, prayer. We can set in prayer and we could ask on behalf of 
what's necessary for the healing process and let that information come in dream state before you go to sleep at night. You would set the intention of what um, is it that my animal needs to help them not be as fearful with storms. And then you might dream about it at night. You might see um, a remedy. You might see a flower essence, a homeopathic. You might see actual need for medicine. Uh, you you might see um, energy healing. There's there's all kinds of avenues that come through. And the one thing that I want to make sure that we are all clear on is that every animal is unique, just like each of us individually. So there isn't a cookie cutter approach to this fear means this, or this um, body language means this, or um, you know all animals that uh, have this aggressive nature are going to do this. So we have to be careful not to put them in boxes and try to have, this is how the left side brain likes to make things, uh, like to figure it out. So it kind of categorizes, um, puts it into little pieces and and tries to hold it there to make sense of it. And that's Mm -hmm. only a partial, partial truth. And so when we keep expanding so that we can keep seeing the bigger picture this is where the information and the healing really comes from. Now, one of the um, offerings that I that I have in the the program is timelines, and I often work with timelines, especially if an animal is a like let's say afraid of storms. I'll mm-hmm. um, connect with their timeline, and I'll travel them back and ask them to show me. And I ask them to show me because I do a lot of visual. But if you're not a visual person, tell me. Um, show me, let you know, let me feel what happened or when you know where this when you very first felt this way, and so mm-hmm. show me or tell me or you know however you want to word it, um, and I always just say show me the very first time you felt this experience, and then we'll go back in time through their line, and we might see that there is a time like let's say three years old that. Um, there was um, being being out in the storm uh, mm-hmm. and or on the way home from a storm and it and it was and it was very scary uh, so that becomes a cellular imprint and the imprint actually holds information and of course science has pro- proved this with you know PTSD is that if uh, it it becomes an imprint, it almost becomes like a little button. And when that button gets pushed, mm-hmm. then that energy and information gets pulled forward as though it's happening again. So a lot of times the the cyclic patterns are something in their past that just needs to be cleared. And, uh, you know, a few healing tools that are wonderful for clearing that is um, that I do a lot. I'm a certified emotion code practitioner. So I do a lot of the emotion codes and, and just clear any trapped emotions with the animal. There's also the the original or the EFT tapping. I I learned EFT in the ninety when in the nineties when it was still um Dr. Callahan's work before Gary Craig ever purchased it. Hmm. And and um so the original EFT tapping that Gary Craig was using with all of the meridians and all of the points is really good to do a blanket because we don't know where in his body that emotion is held. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're tapping on all of the meridians and you get the right word with the right meridian, it'll just soften. 
So um, you can help to neutralize some of the charges by just working on the energetic level. Uh, energy right. is the, right. the emotions is energy in motion. And so we're just trying to clear energetic, emotional energy. And mm-hmm. um, so finding out where it started gives some information. Uh, sometimes they might not um, have an origin, like a point. Like sometimes as the animal gets a little older, they get a little bit more sensitive to the electromagnetic energies of the planet. And so they can tell you long before storms coming. But you would then also maybe redirect them into a job, uh, giving them a different job of um, of uh, being being the the wisdom keeper of that um, information from the mm-hmm. letting you know, but without the fear. Um, uh, you can you know give them a different a different purpose. Um, where they can yes. take that information and then put it into a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're going to talk about your offers because there's so much information um, in the, the programs and teaching people, you know, the details about this, and we'll go into that later. But what I want to talk about now is um, how 95% of our communication is nonverbal. And so a lot of it takes place through thoughts, feelings, um, body language, all of these things. And the focus with communicating with animals is being aware, being very present, um, really listening. So do you have techniques, um, anything that you can share that would help us um, realize this heightened state of consciousness that would support our connection with them? Yes, thank you. Well, one of the things that I just want to encourage that everyone, that there there isn't just a one right way to communicate with animals. And we will all do it differently depending on what um, pathway we've already feel comfortable working with in life. When I very first started, of course, my earlier uh, life, I was an empath. I would I would feel feelings, know what was happening. I would just kind of I'd be able to sense if something was off with somebody. I used that skill. So feeling and being able to understand the animal through an, a, a, through a feeling or a sensing center, that actually comes through the second chakra. So you might be receiving information through like your belly, like the, like below the belly button when you're asking an animal, you might just get a feeling, uh, an emotional feeling. And that actually can be the response to whatever you're asking the animal about. If you work from the the sensing, the clairsentient, that, that's often the third chakra. And that's our, our, our ability, this is the, the third chakra, is our intuitive ability to sense our, pers- our surroundings, to perceive what's happening. You know, that's where you get the, you know, the, the butterfly feelings, if something feels off. You, there, there's a whole intuitive center that we have with just sensing. And sensing is so important with animal communication that I don't know if we recognize the value of it because you could look at a, a picture or an animal and you could just sense something about them without asking any questions or dialogue and be able to really already make a deeper connection with them. And mm-hmm. so, and then of course we move to the heart, which the heart is just kind of a knowing. It's like 
you you know this. You don't know why you know this. It's beyond logical reason. You just know this is what's wrong or this is this is how they're feeling. And so the body wisdom holds a lot. Now we can move up into the the throat where we're um, hearing because the the uh, ears, adenoids, throat are kind of all connect. So the the throat is often the clear um, audio where you're hearing a thought. Now a thought could pop into your head, and it could sound a lot like your voice. So that's why um, this this skill is a little hard to discern. But if you discern it by the frequency, um, like I encourage everyone to think about what their voice sounds like when they're judging themselves or they're harsh on themselves. Just kind of hold that, you know, that that part of your own voice, that that um, experience. And then when you get information that comes from the animal, it's often just very soft, subtle, just pops in, non-attached. It doesn't really have a, a connection or agenda. So you will be able to tell the frequency of what is the animal and what is yours when you train yourself to be sensitive. And then, of course, there is the the um, the, the sight, like where you're seeing uh, images mm-hmm. or visions or um, getting information like that. And then there's just the crown, which is just the complete understanding. You just understand the situation without even knowing. So all of those pathways can be used. And as we develop, we, normally we have one or two pathways that are already we're already using every day in our life. We might not recognize them as clairsentience or clair abilities, but they actually are. And the more that we start realizing the pathway that we're the most comfortable from and we start working with the animal and just kind of letting that pathway be the way the information flows, then the other one, and we get comfortable with that, then the other ones start coming online also. And so it's just a gradual um, stepping point of just letting more and more and more develop. And it's the one thing, there's a couple of things that stop us from being able to really stand in this place. And and one is called self-doubt. And self-doubt is and fear are the two biggest obstacles that really stop us from claiming this ability. And because self-doubt has that way of, you know, playing in our mind of, you know, did I just think this up? Did I just make it up? Is it mine? Mm -hmm. Um, I can't keep my mind quiet. I can't be still. All that self-doubt chatter, that's actually the mind trying to keep you into sameness. And the whole purpose of mind is actually to keep us safe. And the ego mind is is about safety. And so when we start to try to move out and expand and grow a little bit, the mind often will come in and say, no, 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 that doesn't that doesn't feel right, that's not right, mm-hmm. we shouldn't do this, we can't do this, other people can, but you can't. And so the judgments and the, and the self-doubt comes in. And then the fears come in, because the fear is uh, often about, well, what if I'm wrong? What if I can't do this? Uh, what will yeah. other people think? My my friends will think I'm crazy. All this fear, and the the mind. This is all part of the ego mind, also, because the ego mind is time bound, and it only knows past, and it knows future. The mind itself does not know present moment. So when we mm-hmm. are working from mm-hmm. our mind, 
We're either in the filing cabinets of the past trying to think, well, the last time I felt this scared, this happened, so we better not do that again. Or it projects to the future, which is the uh, what if what if stories, because it's the mind trying mm-hmm. to strategize agendas if any of this happens. So it's it's really trying to work on your behalf, but it actually can feel a little inhibiting. And so the what if, so what if we're wrong? What if um, somebody laughs at me? What if I can't do this? What if? Those are all the mind. Now what I would encourage that is if you have a what if mind, play the what if game back. So what if I can't do this? And then you would just play it back. Well, what if I can? What if I get it wrong? Well, what if I get it right? What if uh, what if somebody laughs? Well, what if this really helps the animal? And what you'll find is if you play the what if game back to your mind, usually after just a few positive what ifs, it'll quiet and it'll go back into yeah. being the observer versus the director. So super important to start recognizing when our mind is trying to to protect us by keeping us small and insignificant and in, in sameness and mm-hmm. encouraging it to step into that whole brain state where we can expand a little and yet be very, you know, logical and safe about it. So we want to yeah. encourage that. In fact, I have a little exercise that I, I like to I was to just going to say that would be a good time <laughs> to do it. To do this. Yes. So this is one of my favorite um, exercises that, I uh, find it, and if anybody finds that they have a hamster wheel mind that just the mind just keeps you spinning and keeps you either in the past or the fears or, and also know that if you are experiencing any anxiety, you're all in your head. Anxiety lives in the head. And so the uh, in the head is um, strategies, agendas, to-do lists, and um, reactions. So uh, when we are in any of those emotional experiences, the the mind is trying to direct us into a sense of safety from some old illusion. So what happens or what is really beneficial is to bring ourselves back in to partnership with um, the body, with our spirit energy, and with our mind so that all three are in harmony and working together towards the same goal versus one trying to overpower and overrule the other voices. So this exercise I found very helpful. And it uh, came through one of the quantum uh, coaching programs that I was uh, taking and certified in. And so this is just a little um, opportunity. First, we'll, we'll walk you through it like as in just whether whatever skill you use, you're going to visualize, see, sense, feel, just imagine or know that there's a golden ball of light above your head. And you're just allowing that golden ball of light and the, the image of it or the feeling, the sense of it to just come into taking form above your head. And as you're just witnessing that golden ball of light, allow it to start moving closer and closer to the top of the head. And that golden ball of light enters through the top of the head and it gently flows down behind the eyes 
down into the throat, down into the heart, down into the abdominal area. And now allow that golden ball of light just to split into two beautiful golden balls of light and just each ball flowing down the legs, one on each leg flowing all the way down to the feet. And each feet now hold a beautiful golden ball of light. And now you're going to give permission for your mind to step out of the brain, step out of the head, and just allow the mind's awareness to follow that same pathway of the golden ball of light, just following it downward. behind the eyes, down into the throat. Just your mind's awareness just going deeper and deeper within yourself, down into the abdominal area. And your mind's awareness just following down into the legs, down into the feet. And now your mind's awareness is in the golden ball of light at your feet. And you're just allowing the mind's awareness to understand what's, what's happening here in the feet. How do the feet feel? Are they warm? Are they cold? Are they cool? How does it feel if you have shoes or socks or slippers? How do your feet feel with whatever is on them? Are they tired? Are they comfortable? Are they tense? Are they relaxed? Fully engaging in what's happening in the feet with your mind's awareness in that golden ball of light. And then just notice if the feet are touching the floor. How does it feel with the floor supporting the feet? And how does it feel with the ground supporting the floor? And if your feet are not touching the floor, just notice how it feels. If your feet are touching the back of a a bed or a chair, notice how it feels. And now while we're in this golden ball of light, totally aware of what's happening in our feet, we just give ourselves permission to just expand out our energy body all around us called the auric field. We're just pushing our energy body out in all directions simultaneously. We're just reconnecting back in to the divine matrix, that quantum field of unlimited possibilities. And then you just breathe in what you would like to feel instead of what you were feeling before with the hamster mind. So breathing in peace, harmony or whatever word works for you, just breathing that in. And your mind's awareness is still in your feet, just watching now the breathing from this field all around you, just breathing it into the body. The mind becomes the observer and it's just witnessing the body and spirit and mind in partnership.
This is the Trinity where all three are working in harmony. And now while your mind's awareness is in the golden ball of light and you're breathing in what you would like to feel, claiming it as yours, just notice in your head, how does it feel in your head when your awareness is in the feet? Often it may feel quiet or still or peaceful. And then you would actually let yourself go back into everyday life. And when you find yourself in the hamster wheel again or you find yourself in fear, self-doubt, anxiety, drop into the feet From this point on, the the golden ball of light, you can just imagine it in your feet. You don't have to bring that down each time. You just drop your mind's awareness into your feet, what's happening in your feet. Get a somatic experience of what's going on in the body. This is connecting the body and the mind together. And then when we expand our energy field and we're breathing in, we're connecting it back into spirit. And... So this is a this is a tool that can be used a hundred times a day if you need to until your mind and body and spirit remember how to work together in partnership in unison yes yeah um, thank you for that Linda yes very calming harmonizing <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yes. And that's such a beautiful space to dwell more and more often, that, that place of pure presence. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a space for integration. And, you know, that's where magic happens, miracles happen. You know, it's where anything is possible. And um, what's really beautiful about all of this work, and we're going to talk about your offers where people can learn. I know you're very passionate about really giving people the tools to be able to do this themselves so they can work with their animals themselves. But the benefit of learning all of this is not just communicating with the animals, Linda, but also um, our pets, but also the wild animals, the dolphins, the whales, nature, um, uh, children who can't speak. Um, I really want to talk a little bit about those with autism as well, dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, my, my daughter is actually working now as a therapist um, with autistic children. Mm-hmm. And um, and what can you say about that um, and with regard to applying some of these techniques and tools to communicate with them? Yes, yes. And that's actually one of the reasons why in the package one, um, I I actually put two different recordings of the four week class because in one of the one of the groups um, the woman actually worked a lot with children and she didn't have animals so she was more interested in learning how to how to support the children she worked with and then the other recording is actually just more animal I mean the, the focus was more on animals so that so that that's in the package There's one. A blend. Mm-hmm. There is a blend, yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that um, with uh, uh, anything has a consciousness, of course. Whether you have a voice or a vocabulary, 
I mean, think about a young child. You can watch them interact with animals, uh, you know, one, two years of age before vocabulary comes, and you can see that the animal and the child totally understand each other. <laughs> so the thing is, is with when we learn how to pay attention to how we're receiving information, uh, learning, I, I teach, uh, there's like four skills that I feel is helpful, active listening, focus, um, sensing, discernment, being able to, to understand, is that information coming from my mind or to me? Uh, we can actually start to hold a place that we bridge, and we do the same bridge with whether we're in a, uh, working with an autistic child or a person in a coma. Um, I have mm-hmm. great experiences I'd love to share with both of those. But with the autistic child, I've been called in many times for parents to understand um, what what their child likes or if they were going to two different um, therapies or two different schools or which one do they like the most or, mm-hmm. you know, is there something that they, they really need. The, the thought, the telepathic thought exchange that's happening when we do animal communication is just information that is received from mind to mind regardless of space or time. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. can bridge it whether you're standing right there with the person or if you're doing a long distance uh, with the with the person, the child, and asking them. So that's why we can communicate with animals and people all around the world. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because it is that, that telepathic exchange um, and to be able to receive it without understanding why. And so with the... With the children, there are some autistic children that um, don't want you in their space. This has actually become their protective field, and they are in their own, let's just say, uh, bubble mm-hmm. and love it. Uh, and when you can bridge into it, there's some that will be like, hey, how did you get in here? <laughs> and then there's <laughs> others that really like smile because they know you got you got their number, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So it it'll work both mm-hmm. ways. Like some don't want the invasion and some actually appreciate the fact that somebody can see and work with them in the way that they're actually working. So yeah. they're mm-hmm. working from that telepathic exchange, that ninety five percent non communicative mm-hmm. uh energy. There's there's a lot of communication that's happening that we don't recognize until we start training ourselves to witness the, the subtleties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. One experience I had with a coma patient, this was my first experience with a coma patient, and it was back in the late 90s. And um, it was a, a, a horse accident, a head injury, and the roommate uh, called me, the, the person, we'll say, we'll say her name is Jane, She was in um, the ICU unit, and so the roommate called me and asked me if I would come and do some healing work. And so I went, and I was connecting with uh, Jane. She's in a coma. She's hooked up to all kinds of stuff. Now, her mother uh, flew in from out of town, and she didn't understand what I was doing. And then she said that. She said, I don't understand any of this, but go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I... I connected with Jane telepathically, mind to mind, and I was asking her if she um, knew where she was, and she did not. And I asked her if she wanted to come back through the veil, 
that separated this this space that she was in and she wasn't quite sure because life wasn't all that easy for her so she wasn't sure she wanted to come back and so what i wanted to do is that is to help her have a way back instead of being in this place that she kind of felt a little lost in so i asked her if there was a power animal that she could uh, that she could see there that was her helper that could help her come back to the doorway and she told she uh, in the again telepathically all of a sudden i got this picture of an eagle a big bird um was sitting there uh supporting her and so i'm doing energy healing and i'm communicating with her telepathically that the eagle would help uh fly her back to the doorway she doesn't have to come back now until she's ready but when mm-hmm. she's ready she'll know how to come back and so we're doing the energy healing and all of a sudden all the monitors start going off and everything's just like you know doctors are coming in nurses are coming in and I'm, I am, I honestly have to say I'm scared because mm-hmm. I didn't, I've never done that before and I'd see her shaking and, and everything mm-hmm. happening. But I continued and they let me continue. And, uh, as she's doing this, um, her, both arms rise up off of the bed, up into midair. She grabs mm-hmm. a hold of the talons with both arms and she holds her hands in that position for a period. And then, mm-hmm. She lets her hands down, and she was standing at the doorway. And uh, but she wasn't ready to come back yet. So I told her that's that's fine. She could take as long as she needed. Now she knows that the door was there, and that she could cross over any time. The next day, I did long distance with her. I just connected and asked her if she was ready to come back, and she still wasn't. But I asked her if there was a power animal that was there to help her cross over when she was ready and she showed Mm -hmm. me this big tiger and this tiger was there and I told her so whenever she was ready to just get on the tiger and he would take her through the doorway and then the third day I connected with her long distance again and she told me she was ready she was ready to come back and I asked her if the tiger was still there and she said yes and I said whenever just get on the tiger and he'll just walk you right through this veil back into your body, back into the mm-hmm. experience. And she got on and came through. And so I called her roommate and I said that Jane came back. She's she's came back into consciousness. And, and she said, well, I haven't heard anything. And then she hung up and about two minutes later, the, the call. hospital called her <laughs> <laughs> and told her that she came back. So it's like the wow. consciousness mm-hmm. and this infinite field that we're in, is all mm-hmm. available to us always. It doesn't, it's not mm-hmm. limited. And so, you know, working with coma, and the very interesting start part with that story is this was 20 years later, to about 2018, Jane called me and told me that her mom was in intensive care in a coma and asked me if I would go and communicate with her mom. And so mm-hmm. I went and I communicated with her mom and as we were communicating, her mom said, oh, now I understand. <laughs> and, and there were some things that her mom needed, uh, some different situations, different people, uh, some closures that needed to happen. And when all of that stuff came into order, then she was ready to let go. She was in a medically induced coma, but there were unfinished business that was keeping her. And so she, that communication allowed all of those um, 
key players and events to come into alignment so she could gently pass. Wow. Well, it's just, you know, it's so significant to to learn these skills and, you know, whether it is with our pets or the animals or the autistic children or children who don't have a voice or dementia patients or Alzheimer's, um, all of those things. Absolutely. You know, I found it um, so fascinating. My daughter, because she's, she's really good at connecting with these autistic children, and she said, you know, the only reason they get so frustrated is someone's not understanding them. And she said, if you learn to connect with them and really pay attention to their sounds and what each sound means, um, they're so grateful that someone actually understands. And she's been able to um, connect with um, quite a few of these children who would never let anyone touch them. And they only want to hold her hand now, you know. Mm And And that's a perfect example of her mm -hmm. working from the heart instead of the mind. And that's how we bridge. And that's why she's getting such great um, results and and connections with these children because she is bridging from the heart and opening that field and the willingness to to hear, to listen. Mm -hmm. That's the active listening. Is yes. to, to be able to actively listen and go beyond judgments or, or you know, story or uh, protocol, mm-hmm. and just be yeah. totally present with them. That's wonderful. Yeah. What a blessing she's giving for all those children. It's you know she really feels that purpose, um, you know, doing this work, and I'll probably end up getting her the uh, your package so that she can listen just to really deepen you know, her abilities because it's, mm-hmm. it makes such a difference. And yeah. for those of you listening who have, I know some of you have parents with um, Alzheimer's or dementia, and that can be really challenging, I know. I have some close friends who are going through that right now. This would really be helpful as well. So, uh, Linda, let's go ahead and talk about um, and review the offers that you've created for the community. Um, they can be found at straighttalkforthesoul.com. Click on our marketplace link and you'll find Linda John's beautiful smiling face. Click on her picture and there are three offers here. These are all, um, recorded uh, classes. Um, the first one is um, an animal healing class, the communication class. This is the one that you said there's two of them and there's it's 12 hours um, of classwork. And what would you like to share about this one? Um, this is one of the uh, foundational classes mm-hmm. and this is where we uh, share the, the four basic steps each week because there's four recordings so each week we would break down active listening um, sensing uh, focus and then the discernment is again really important when we can start discerning what is ours and what is the animals uh, or or another person or the thought we actually our accuracy rate really increases so in the beginning we're not really trying to focus on accuracy, we're just trying to develop pathways that the information can come through. But the more you learn to um, develop all of those skills, your accuracy rate um, goes high. One of the things I'd like to just share about accuracy rate is we can take off the performance anxiety because um, people who are already drawn to this kind of stuff are already doing it and are, you know, if you were just cold Mm -hmm. out of the 
out of it, you might be 50-50. Like you ask 10 questions, you might get five right. Um, and then as you develop, you're 60-40, 70-30. Well, if you already have a desire in this, you're probably already in the 70, maybe even 80 percent. Um, mm-hmm. The the 80, 90 percent, uh, which means that you can ask eight or nine or uh, 10 questions and get eight or nine of the information accurate. And the part of that is is that if we think about the amount of information and the amount that that could direct the healing into, if you get eight of those puzzle pieces or nine of those puzzle pieces, you're going to have a much more complete picture to help facilitate a healing. Um, so it, it doesn't even matter if you get 100%. And, and no mm-hmm. one in history ever, ever has been documented <laughs> as 100% accurate in any intuitive art. So you can let go of that pressure and just let yourself have fun. I encourage just mm-hmm. to relax, have fun, make it playful, because when we can stay in that place of the relaxation, then the mind doesn't try to um, make it uh, scary or because yeah. it constrict our experience. So we want to um, go into that. Now, like we, I had mentioned, there's two classes in this one just because one that did work a little bit more with um, people and one works more with animal. And the, the discernment, uh, even in the last one and this, the last week we do um, communication with whales and dolphins in that one. And mm-hmm. you know how to direct your thought. I have a beautiful story with the whales. I used to um, uh, do more retreat, leading more retreats of swimming with the, the dolphins and the whales. And and in the humpback whales in Silverbank and out of um, the Dominican Republic, it's a sanctuary about 100 mm. miles offshore. And you're on a dive boat for seven days. And so you go um, into, you know, go out in the little um, uh, pongas and um, go in with the whales and then come back to the boat. And w- one day we were in the water with the whales, and I asked the whale if uh, it could share with me about world peace. And the, mm-hmm. and, the and surprising to me, because this information just came back so quickly, and it said, world peace, there are 12 of you amongst each other in like-mindedness that can't even create peace amongst yourself. How can you even think of world peace? And I was really surprised with that because on the surface, it looked wonderful. Everybody's laughing, you know, having a good time or with the whales. But after that, the since the whale mentioned that, I started to watch. And I started to watch energy. And I started to see that when somebody would swim in front of somebody else, there would be like, you know, this energy mm-hmm. there, this frustration. Mm-hmm. I would see at lunch that when one uh, person had this loud laugh, this, I mean, just really love of life, loud laugh, and there were about two or three other people that just sent daggers every time she would laugh like that. And I, I started to see what the whales were speaking of, is that we have to be aware of the energy that we're putting into motion mm-hmm. on our own personal level before we can start thinking globally. And uh, it was so powerful to see that even all of those little things, even in the midst of whales and ocean and sun, were still mm-hmm. creating disruptions. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, then getting back to the mm-hmm. package, I'm sorry, but uh, no, I, I, love I, lo- I love to share. So I lo- <laughs> And I love to teach us. One of my passions is to really help people embrace mm-hmm. these abilities because, again, it's not an elite, elite gift. It's just that holding the reflection that says, you, you got this, you can do this. And yeah. so in package one is the level one, again, the two recordings, I, there's pictures of animals to work with. There's whales and dolphin pictures. There's also uh, pictures of my own animals, or, or some of them, um, that if you wanted to do any of the exercises, that's available. Um, there's, I think I also offered um, uh, email support if you, know, you did yes. want to practice mm-hmm. the, the um, exercise and want some feedback, that, that's available. And so there's some written text that just kind of talks because everybody works differently. Some are audible, some are visual. If you're visual, you like to see it in print. If you're audible, you like to hear it. Um, so it's kind of like covering all of those avenues that we all learn differently from. Mm-hmm. And then the second package um, has two different classes in it. One is uh, animal communication, working with uh, behaviors, understanding animal behaviors. That's often one of the main reasons why somebody will call in a communicator is that, you know, the the dog uh, is being aggressive on the leash with the, on the walk or, you know, the cat started mm-hmm. to go outside of the litter box or, you know, for no reason the dog started to hide in the closet or for no mm-hmm. reason the horse now won't get in the trailer or... You know, just and need a change of behavior. A change, yeah. yes, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they want to understand it. So the animal communication class has um, two recorded classes. The first class we talk about the consciousness. We go directly to the consciousness of the animal and ask them. I always, again, say, what are you thinking and feeling about this, you know, this situation? Or there's a, there's a concern here. What do you think the concern is? Um, just to give them the voice. Instead of like going into why are you peeing outside the box, you know, it's like anytime we get into um, uh, threatening conversations, you know, mm-hmm. just like learning how to do non nonviolent communication is a wonderful gift because if you can keep it neutral, just curious, I want I want to understand this, I want to I want to see your perception of this, you're going to get a lot more information than if you go into, you know, why is this happening? It's got to stop now. <laughs> Blank, yes. blank. And um, and then uh, there's the understanding why and then asking them what's necessary for change. And so they may give a few suggestions. They, they may give one suggestion or they may give you a list of five different things. What I found is that if you can do even one of the five things, they feel validated and heard and a lot of times the behavioral change. Uh, there's an experience I had of that of talking with a dog in California. The owner, he, the dog was uh, tearing up the digging, tearing up the drip systems and laying on the plants and destroying the mm-hmm. plants. And so I, I was sharing with the dog, you know, um, asking him what uh, what he was thinking or feeling when he was digging like this. And it was treasure. It was like he was so excited the very first time he <laughs> dug that uh, drip up. He wasn't expecting it, but he was so excited, so he kept wanting to dig for more treasures. And then mm-hmm. the um, the plants, we were just sharing with him that they were, you know, that they're alive and that they're, they um, 
desire to live and that him, you know, running over them or smashing them or laying on them was very harmful to their health and asking him if he could be mindful of the plant's needs as well. And, of course, he'd stopped laying on the plants, but he still dug. When we asked him uh, uh, what he needed for a compromise, he suggested this one little area over in the yard, side side yard, that could have some dirt uh, where he could dig. And he -hmm. also suggested that um, there could be treasures, like he could dig up treasures over there. And the person said, no, that's not going to happen. He just needs to stop digging. And I shared that with the dog that that, option wasn't available and <laughs> they they went in they continued in their conflict for about uh, you know another couple months and finally the owner put a little area over on the side where he could dig like sand dig dig he he would bury a few things in the in the dirt and the dog <laughs> just loved it cuz it was like his treasure box he could dig for treasure and he never dug up another drip system since so um it's like compromising <laughs> is necessary. <laughs> right, right, so, right, right. And then in the package with the animal communication, the second recording, we actually go to a formula to help uh, speak to the subconscious because how many times have we all tried to change a pattern and then found ourselves a week later doing it again. It's like, what happened there? So Mm -hmm. it's like um, going to a deeper level to understand um, what it represents, what it's here to teach, talking directly to the behavior itself and getting information and then uh, trying to um, ascertain what's necessary for healing. So that one is a a little bit more in-depth, but it gives you great information and then mm-hmm. that package, too, also has the timeline on it where, uh, yes. where we had mentioned that I always travel to the past when I'm looking for, like, uh, there, you know, because a lot of people, especially with rescue animals, will want to know their story so that they just have a better understanding of them. So I'll always ask the animal to take us back to, quite often I take them back to the puppy, to their mother, to their siblings, and then move them forward in their timeline to read it and to understand it. Or mm-hmm. you could take them forward in a timeline to see if the situation uh, is um, compatible or not. Like, is this move good? Is this home the best for this dog? Will they integrate with the other animals? Um, so you can move it forward to see. You can also do that for procedures, medical situations, um, uh to to see if there's anything that you need to be aware of before you're in the situation. And then in the timelines, it's also where we read our own soul level in parallel with the animal because a lot of people want to know if they've ever had a life together with their animal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so this is a way that I read it and I just kind of see my my soul essence uh, timeline and the animal's uh, soul essence and if I feel that they merge or like, see them braid, then I know mm-hmm. that there's an experience together. Then I kind of go in to find out, was it this life? Uh, was it, you know, maybe some of the details come through. Sometimes not. It's just like just knowing that, yes, you did have um, those pathways together. And then mm-hmm. the third package is um, energy healing. And uh, we all have animals that might need, a, especially if we 
you know, have brought in rescue animals or animals with any past that are needing a little bit of support. So the um, energy healing for animals is, um, I think there's three three recordings in that one, and it works through a lot of modalities, uh, different ways of helping to support, whether it be energy healing, channeling um, color, uh, making little energy balls with color, and sending mm-hmm. that to your animal, surrounding your animal in a in a color that will hold calmness or frequency or love or whatever when you're away. Um, so working mm-hmm. with color and frequency and um, clearing resistances. Now, the clearing resistances is not always um, the animals. When we, we have a resistance to the behavior, we often are holding that behavior. Um, and so we kind of lock it in. So sometimes we have to clear our own resistance to the experience mm-hmm. so that we can open up to a larger possibility and see that experience, you know, form, morph into something different. Uh, because like it, like the struggle with the yard, the backyard thing, the digging, that was a mm-hmm. resistance. The, the, the man said no and the dog right. said yes. <laughs> so <laughs> if there is a clearing, clearing the resistance to find a happy medium in there somewhere. Right. And then with that one, we also work with quantum feeling, uh, healing and learning how to kind of demanifest or manifest within the quantum field. Um, and then I have other healing techniques in there that we work with emotions and supporting supporting the animals in that way too. So lots of different healing modalities in that one. That was a really rich, a really rich one if you want to, you know, have any mm-hmm. healing tools to add to your toolbox to be able to pull out whenever you need. That's a, a really rich course. And yeah, I, I want to mention I, that... Um, uh, Offer C does include everything from the other two packages as well, so you kind of get everything in the the final package. And yes. uh, there is the five-day bonus. Did you want to mention that? Oh, yes. The five-day bonus is um, if uh, any 50% off any class that I uh, offer uh, next year. Um, I'm still working on my schedule, so I don't – I have a, a animal communication class scheduled for – the February, the first four um, weeks in February, and um, so 50% off any classes, and that re- that can uh, apply to classes, animal communication or animal classes or um, human classes, because I teach a lot of uh, divine matrix and um, uh, personal growth and spiritual development as far as just working with higher energy frequencies. So uh, there's many opportunities, and it's uh, 50% off uh, any class. Okay. So there's a lot of information there for those of you who are really interested in cultivating, um, you know, your ability to communicate with your animals, your pets. Um, I do see some people who've written in who do have family members with um, autism, uh, dementia, Okay. All, all of these things. So all of these will definitely help. Um, I also wanted to highlight that in the, um, Offer A, you know, you include both audio and video formats. You know, some people, as you said, you know, learn in different ways. So uh, um, You know, actually, uh, the video is not in this program. Um, okay. If you take the okay. live class, then it would be video. Uh, Got the, it. There, the audio 
or the visual the recording. is the written, te- the ri- the written text. Um, so Got it. Something you can read if you like to see it in print. Um, yes. So yes. Okay. Uh, at least I don't believe I li- I don't think there's video in that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I think there's um, an auto think- recordings. Yeah, and I think it's really important to also cultivate this um, capacity for the long-distance communication because um, we're not always right there to be able to support someone. Um, I have someone who wrote in here who has uh, a daughter who is autistic, but they don't live near them anymore. Mm -hmm. And also with animals. I mean, uh, to be able to learn how to do the long-distance communication is really important. Um, Mm -hmm. So lots of information there. Linda, thank you for creating. I know my my son, when he was was younger, he probably didn't like that ability all the time because, um, you know, he would go (laughs) on a trip with his, his friends or whatever, and I, you know, I'd come back and he'd go down to Mexico and, and I, I would ask him when he got back, well, who got stung by the stingray or, you know, um, <laughs> you know, right. uh, he goes skiing with his friends and it's like, oh, goodness, um, you know, I text him, I, I hope you're, I hope you're doing better or I hope your knee is okay. It's like, how did you even know? So it's, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, working with that. Now, one of the things with um, long distance communication and bridging is of course is a practice. It's just like um, the more we practice, and with animal communication, it's often a little bit more difficult to to do our own animals because our mind knows so much about them, or yeah. it, it doesn't always validate the information we get because it already knows it likes that toy, it likes to sleep there, it you know. So working with other animals that you don't know is really wonderful validation. And so that way you can really start trusting yourself. And and the interesting thing is when we're looking for validation in the beginning, it's necessary because that's how we kind of fine-tune, okay, well, that's that the animal uh, likes that, but it's not a, a red ball, it's a blue ball or something like that. We're fine-tuning information. But then you get to a point where you just know whether the person can validate you or not. And an experience of that, I was talking to a, a cat. And I, I always start my uh, sessions out with non-threatening questions because just like we're talking with a friend, we don't, mm-hmm. you know, there's always small talk or, or we're talking to somebody new where there's always small talk. There's, you know, how are you? What, what do you like? You know, seen any great movies lately? There's just, there's a sense of community building and a sense of safety. And mm-hmm. so I, I always start out that way with my animals and communication just to build that dialogue. Um, so I was asking this one cat what it uh, what it liked and it shared, and then I ask I always ask it what it doesn't like because it gives it permission to have a voice, and it said it mm-hmm. didn't like being locked in the bathroom, and when I shared that with the woman, she got really upset, and she mm-hmm. said I never lock my animals in the bathroom, and and the rest of the session she really couldn't hear <laughs> because mm-hmm. she was still upset about locking the animal in the bathroom. And then mm-hmm. months later, about six months later, she invited me to uh, speak at one of her organizations. And I, and when she was introducing me, she started uh, with this this uh, experience. And I thought, oh no, what did I get myself into? And she <laughs> <laughs> and she said, you know, I was really upset about that. But then uh, she said it came to me later because they have a cabin. Uh, up in the mountains, and they they go up there for the summer. And and when they're loading up the cabin or loading up the car to get ready to to come back, 
she always puts the cats in the bathroom so they don't get out and get lost. And so, mm-hmm. if, yes, at her own home she never did, but the cat was, you know, talking about a different a different space. Right. But so, so sometimes <laughs> the person can't validate us, and so we have mm-hmm. to just know that if you know it, if you feel it, if you if you if you got that sense that this is it, just move on. And so, because again, it may be the eighty percent. It doesn't even matter. This is just part of the bigger picture, and you're just trying to create that flow. So just giving yourself permission just to keep it relaxed and and playful and just curious. Like I'm I'm always curious. Every animal is my teacher. Uh, they mm-hmm. teach me different ways of asking questions, different ways of understanding it. I had one dog, and when we get pictures, pictures are usually the most misunderstood information because mm-hmm. like two people could look at a piece of art and see it two different ways or two different completely experiences Mm -hmm. in it. So when an animal sends you a picture, you usually have about two or three seconds to see it before it disappears. And so this, uh, uh, and I always weave in all my learning curves with uh, the classes because um, it's like we all don't have to recreate the wheel. (laughs) In the early 90s, luckily all my learning curves were with my family and friends. So, of course, they didn't think I had any skill but my clients <laughs> like me <laughs> but, so, <laughs> so my so this dog shared with me what, uh, like a like what did he like he showed me this black fan and I and I just shared mm-hmm. that with the person oh he likes the big black fan and she said we don't have a fan so then I asked the dog well what else what what did you want me to see with that fan and it they when they show you a picture it can be literal it can be emotional or it can be symbolic and so when that was a symbolic picture is that the black was representing the night and he liked the cool air of night. And so okay. there's a whole mm-hmm. there's a whole learning um opportunity that comes uh just to keep surrendering and keep learning because that the animals are the teacher and um mm-hmm. and then before you know it we we carry a lot of wisdom of different opportunities that just kind of all merge into, you know, how we use it and what we do with it. Right. And There's so much opportunity to cultivate these skills. And, um, and I think, you know, when you mentioned that sometimes it's a little bit challenging to do it with our own and so to practice with other animals, I guess that's why you put pictures um, in your classes of other animals that um, – people can work with to cultivate these these skills absolutely um um, let's see i I do want to just share with the since you had some um uh listeners talk about the dementia and the alzheimer's Mm -hmm. yeah um the 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 difference with that exchange and and even um even like with the autistic child you're you're experiencing it and you're witnessing the child react uh, like through wanting to hold the hand of your daughter in different situations mm-hmm. like that. You're seeing um, confirmation that you're getting through. Sometimes with the dementia and the Alzheimer's, um, there may be that if you can be there present. And if you're not, say like my my mom experienced the dementia um, journey and uh, so, and she wasn't here, so I'd always bridge with her. And I would just bridge, again, my mind to hers. And her consciousness was still intact, even though 
her voice or her ability to to um, reason short-term memory wasn't there, of course. But mm-hmm. um, you could go back and talk about um, what she liked to do when she was a child or her favorite place to go um, as, that that they went as a family. And it's almost like it starts to come to you uh, you might feel it, you might sense it, you might you might all of a sudden just feel like I'm at a picnic, and then you just ask them about the picnic. Did you do that often? Uh, what was so special about this picnic? And you're you're mm-hmm. directing questions, but you're really just receiving the information. And then before you know it, you and uh, like m- me and my mom were at mm-hmm. that picnic. We're sharing it together because this is the part of the memory that she remembers and that that, that information is still accessible, um, but she couldn't mm-hmm. speak it to me. But so those kind of uh, uh, journeys and experiences just are comforting to the heart um, mm-hmm. to know that you can still have a connection that is beyond uh, what right. once was so... Um, yeah. So anyway, that's a it's a tough journey. Tough it is. Journey. It certainly is. Um, we do have quite a few people who wrote in with just individual things that are taking place with their animals. Um, um, I don't know if you want to address one or two of these. Uh, we or... could certainly sure we could. We could okay. Um, let's see. Mel is her name. Mel said, "I would love some information about my dog Skippy." He seems very evolved, but lately he's overly sensitive and he's barking at everything. And when I pet him, even when he's relaxed, he flinches. Mm -hmm. This is so surprising, and I just want him to be happy and feel safe. Yes. And actually, um, thank you for that question, because this is something that uh, is really happening. Uh, You know how we talked about the the earth energy and um, is uh, raising and the frequencies are getting a much more heightened. Well, mm-hmm. what is happening also is our animals are so in tuned as part of their intuitive center working from the, the root and the second, third chakras, just really that's the uh, instinctual centers. Uh, they are so in tuned with the collective consciousness that's happening right now in the planet, in the world. And what is happening, of course, is that there is a lot of fear, apprehension, uncertainty, worry. And so a lot of our sensitive, empathic animals are perceiving all of this. They're actually trying to, on a soul level or on a bigger level, clear or filter or try to do something with that information and energy but sometimes their physical body gets overloaded just like we get overloaded and you know we sometimes feel too sensitive or drained or out of Mm -hmm. sorts that happens with our animals also when they're when they are um, being too open now a few things that just pop up here for for skippy is that um, start to clear his energy field and you could uh, you know, if you work with energy or you uh, even just imagine, because imagination, using the um, the ability to imagine moves the mind to the right side, the creative, expansive, the encompassing. That actually is a lot of times where our 
um, divine abilities live that we haven't had permission to use yet. So when we go into imagination, imagination allows all of the senses, the the sight, the sound, the feeling, the knowings to play. And then the imagination starts to come alive and it expands into the experience or the expression that needs to be there. So we may need to hold it with imagination in the beginning, like a ma- like we imagine that golden ball. But the, the thing is with uh, Skippy, you're just imagining, and I work with gold light a lot and white light, and you can use any color, of course, that you resonate with. But I just do gold and light and just do it like a, a shower, flushing down around him, through him, just flushing all stress, tension, anxiety, worry down the grounding cord. And in the grounding cord is actually like a bathtub drain connected into the earth. So you're just flushing it, clearing it, uh, releasing it. Now, um, there is a little bit, he is holding a lot of tightness in the upper left side neck area. So uh, whether that be his, how he, his body's holding that anxious tension, you may also find that a little massage and body work um, might be helpful along with the energetics because it's always body, mind, spirit. And then mm-hmm. even in the, the mental part of the picture, uh, flower essences like Rescue Remedy is always a great one for stress, uh, trauma change, just kind of helping with that, settling some of that energy uh, can be really uh, helpful for um, how, uh, to assist him in mm-hmm. just holding it in a new a new way. When I when I just look at Skippy, and the, the, um, and not sure how old he is, but um, there he just shows me like a worried apprehension is the is the two words that come. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can work with the emotion codes or EFT, uh, and of course many other healing modalities are wonderful also, but clearing some of that. Mm-hmm. Mel, I hope that you heard that. Um, so many blessings to you and Skippy and uh, um, Helena wants to know. She said, "I I've noticed a weird thing. I find it easier to talk to cats than dogs. Why is this? I love both, and just noticed that my dog needs needs help, but." Can Linda see something? Why, how, why is it easier for her to connect with um, cats? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in her particular picture, when I'm looking into the energy field, she has a cat that, um, uh, that makes its needs known quite well, um, that uh, doesn't – it's almost like the energy the, from the cat is coming to her more often. So it's almost like the, mm-hmm. the information is more available because the cat is – wanting its needs met. The the dog or dogs in general are a lot of times um, um, witnessing, holding space, waiting, waiting. Um, mm-hmm. And so there there can be just the, the individual animals that she's working with that might make that a little differently. Um, I have both dogs and cats in my program so she could practice making a more connection with dogs and then we could we could fine tune that and help her with that as well. The the sometimes that is the limitations that our mind puts up about us claiming our wholeness too. So we have to just go back into dropping into the body. Now 
you know, that exercise with the golden balm is one. Each week in that, in that program, we we work with a different way of accessing the body so that by the end of the week, you have four different ways that you can see which one, or at the end of the program, you have four different ways that you can see which one you really like the most. So mm-hmm. there's it's coming back into the body, expanding, and just letting it come to you. Um, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a bigger part of her. She has a very uh, quiet or patient animal, a dog, that um, isn't, the energy isn't pushy. So he's always like just waiting. The Mm -hmm. the kitty cat is definitely a little bit more, hey, excuse me, here I am. (laughs) 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 So so Uh, that could be why. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds familiar to me here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Let's, I'll take one more. Melissa, she said, well, first she had said, wow, yes, my son was a heart bridge. He was an active listener, and he, too, worked with autistic children and discovered the same thing. I guess that was in response when we were talking about my daughter yeah. um, and the autistic children. Uh, then she went on to say that um, – I'm so torn. I always feel so connected to the animals, and I could feel what they feel. But now I wrestle with whether this is really my path. Do you have any way to see if I should pursue working with animals? They all Uh seem to be leaving my presence. It's so sad. I wonder if this means I should follow another direction. Mm, I wonder what that exactly means, that they're leaving Mm -hmm. her could you repeat presence. that part of it again? I missed that. Yeah, she said, they all seem to be leaving my presence. It's so sad. I wonder if this means I should follow another direction. Okay. So um, without knowing exactly what that means as far as leaving your presence, if that means when she is trying to communicate with them, they get up and go to another room, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Because the in the this first program we teach – how to actually go wherever the animal moves. So because they get up and leave doesn't mean that they don't want to talk to you. It actually means often that they just need a little bit more space. They need to be comfortable. They are a little unsure of your emotions. So sometimes we come with too much emotional baggage. We call that um, also necessary, in, I think, in the animal behavior when we, we calibrate our energy to see what is it that we're communicating? What is the body vibrating at? Where where am I starting and what am I expressing to the animal? Because that's actually what's going to uh, make whether the animal communicates or not, especially like if we're talking a lot of fear and we're fearing whether we can do this, whether whether we're on the right path and just uncertainty. The law of attraction says what we put out, we receive. So if we're communicating from our own busyness of our mind that I'm afraid I can't do this, you're sending this fear to the animal, and and not uh, just in general, not personal, but we're sending fear to the animal. And then the animal, actually, the reaction to fear is like, oh, guardedness. It's like, I don't know whether I should trust her or not. She, you know, she doesn't even trust herself. I, I'm not even sure I, I should trust her. So there's a little hesitation with the exchange. When we move out of the mind and out of the fear into the body and expand the heart of gratitude or just expand the energy field and we can actually be in a much more neutral place, then the information comes more easily. One thing I would love to share with her is that we all have to do our own work first. Um, We kind of 
uh, liken this to like a, a let's just say a fireman uh, running into a building to to help somebody. Well, they're in protection. They're they're in their their gear. They go in, get 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 the person and get out. They don't stay in the middle of the emotional experience. So one of the things that we have to train ourselves is to in in the fourth I think the fourth week we talk about protection. So we we um, activate our own energy fields. We heighten our energy fields so that we're not so sensitive to the emotional energy of animals. Now this was also one of my learning curves is um, the the grieving situation. So. Um, I held a lot of grief and sadness in my past, and when I first started working with animals and an animal was ready to make transition, I would feel the grief and the loss, but it wasn't truly the animals. I was feeling my old, my own unfinished stuff, and mm-hmm. there was one time I was working with a family and the animal was ready for transition, and I'm crying and the and the people are not <laughs> and, and I'm looking at that thinking okay this is not right <laughs> this is me too emotionally involved in my own stuff and not even in this situation so I had to go and work on my own healing of the grief the loss the journey and so she may have her own issues that are getting triggered as well that you know by working with the animal it's triggering because remember in our communication that's 95% nonverbal we're either doing reflections or projections so we're we're reflecting our own stuff often into the situation as well but she did say by the way that uh, Melissa said it's that they are transitioning all around me no fear they're always trusting of me but they're transitioning oh yes Um, yes well and actually then you can look at that as some great soul work that you have agreed to do because um, you're able to hold a, a safe space, you're able to hold a higher energy so that they can make their transition in mm-hmm. a, more of a gentle way or a loving way or whatever word fits in there for you. So sometimes we actually hold that for animals that um, that just need to have that anchored in and that we mm-hmm. move into it. Uh, so... I I would encourage you to continue and encourage you to expand because there's so much more and so much other ways that you can hold it that this is this is a little bit of the mind trying to keep you back into sameness where uh, this doesn't feel right doesn't feel comfortable so let's not do it let's go do a, something different that's how our mind distracts us from our soul work yes. Melissa, my dear, I hope that you heard that, and I do hope you continue along this path. Uh, One One thing I had a a spiritual teacher once share with me when I was uh, working with transition of a lot of my animals, and they they head at a very, very deep level all at once. And, um, Mm -hmm. And she was sharing that the depth of your grief, that the deeper and deeper that the heart can feel grief, the 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 deeper the wellspring of your light or love or compassion flows from as well. So sometimes the grieving process actually gives us the awareness of how deep our heart is. 
Yeah. I had a very traumatic experience once happening with the coming back from the uh, whale trip, and it was the gray whales down in Baja, Mexico. And those whales, you can come, they come up to the boat and you can touch them and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. inter- interact with them, and it's a magical, magical trip. And I came back from that trip with my whale heart just wide, wide open. And the, the, within moments of me getting back from that trip with my heart wide open, um, there was a, mix ha- a mishap with a horse in one of my burrow, and and the horse ended up accidentally kicking the burrow but breaking its leg. And mm-hmm. I had such a deep grief that happened at the same time as my heart was holding this mm-hmm. uh, extreme of great openness and joy that in that moment I could see actually the two polarities of my heart and from that great joy to the great grief there was a whole lot of depth in between and that was amazing to see and so that may be what Melissa is learning as well is that yes there is grief and yet the depth of her ability to love and to continue to be of service is even so much greater. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I've loved all of your stories. <laughs> and, uh, um, you've had quite a journey, and um, you have a lot to share. And I really hope that those of you who are wanting to explore this will uh, review all of these uh, opportunities and the special offers. So, Linda, my dear, as we start to... Uh, closed for today, is there any final message that you would like to share with our community? Well, I have a, an energy of my um, <laughs> my my spirit horse uh, is coming through, and there was a teaching that he wants to share. And okay. when this kind of comes us back around full circle with how we started with the animal mm-hmm. being the teacher, and mm-hmm. this uh, this opportunity came through, and Comet was a horse, which I he just lost him in uh, last October. I w- had him for 28 years. He was 30-plus. Mm-hmm. And he was a magical teacher. I would ride him out, and I would give him the reins, and I would tell him to take me anywhere that I needed a message or an experience, and he would wander around, and wherever he would stop, I would get off, and... He would just kind of nibble or graze or wait, and I would have a meditation or prayer or an experience. And it was always very, very profound where he took me and how he knew where to take me. So one day I was riding him, and I just asked him out loud um, to um, to give me some information or some insight on what I can do to help with my stress, to create balance in my life. And then he immediately stopped, and he just stood still. And I Mm -hmm. said out loud to him, oh, I need to slow down. And then he took a very deep breath and exhaled loudly, and I said, oh, I need to breathe more deeply. (laughs) And then he looked all around him in all directions, and I said, oh, I need to enjoy and be aware of the beauty that's all around me. And then he reached down and took a little bite of grass. And I said, oh, I need to be aware of what I'm eating or what I'm not eating. And then he just shook 
underneath me. He like, shook his whole body. And I said, oh, I need to learn how to shake it off and not <laughs> let those things bother me. And then I thanked him for his insight, and we just went off on the trail. So um, <laughs> Comet's Beautiful. spirit, um, he's part mm-hmm. of my inner circle now, and his spirit is here wanting to share that information as how important it is to let our animals be our teachers and to ask mm-hmm. them what it is we need in our life. They they know we we can't often surrender our mind to think that we're superior. That's just a collective training too, not ever a truth. Mm-hmm. But when we start to ask our animal, we automatically start de- deepening the relationship into more mutual respect and honor of both. So mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. what I want to share and end the call with is that to always be able to drop into that place of heart and open the eyes to see beyond what we're able to see at this moment and just to embrace the beauty and the love that is universal with Mm -hmm. all life that flows through us and around us. That's beautiful, Linda. Well, there was a lot shared here today, and thank you all for being with us. And Linda, thank you for being here and just sharing all of your wisdom (laughs) and love. My pleasure. (laughs) and stories (laughs) so thank you Linda and to everyone who's listened um, thank you for the gift of your time your openness your love and your presence today it's it's an honor to have you with us you're welcome to write in and let us know how you're feeling and what stood out for you today uh what shifted for you what what's different uh and then just let the the bountiful beautiful blessings flow to you uh and help you open up and make these new connections you know with your animals with the pets um with the dolphins, with the whales, with your family members. So, and then just consider these wonderful opportunities uh, that Linda has created for you to take this a step further. So, um, thank you again for joining us on this brilliant adventure today. I am sending waves and waves of grace and glory and gratitude from my heart to yours. May you feel it, receive it, and then offer it to those you encounter today or tonight, wherever you happen to be in the world. And as always, until next time, please give yourself full permission to shine instead of shrink, express instead of suppress, and of course, own that amazing, powerful, unique glow of yours. Uh, Take flight, beautiful, beautiful beacons of light, and I will see you back here in this playground of light next time. Uh, Bye, everyone.